0: And as you continue chanting, just continue to let this divine sound and light just fill your beingness with that unconditional loving. And as you allow this loving to fill you up, begin to be aware of an uplifting movement, an action of upliftment, that this loving that is filling you begins now to lift you upwards, upwards in your awareness, upwards in the realms of spirit. Allow your conscious awareness to begin to lift. Allow it to lift into the realms of spirit. So just now, let this loving lift your soul free of the physical body and into the realms of spirit. And as you do, continue chanting quietly the Ana And as you chant, continue to look to feel, to perceive of the Divine Presence of Spirit as it comes forward, as it lifts you at this time. Allow any sounds, colors, or lights. Allow yourself to experience all that comes forward and this action and movement of up upliftment and loving. Simply hold your focus inwardly and upwards, upwards towards the divine source from which we all come and allow this focus of this inner and upper action move you towards the Divine Creator from which you came. Allow this light and sound of love to draw you into that very source of all creation. Allow the love of your own soul to now come forward and go before you back towards the very heart of God and as this light comes from you back to God, allow this loving to pull you back to the very center so that you may once again reunite in that oneness and that unconditional loving back with the source from which you came. And in this movement of loving, if at any time you find yourself being distracted or beginning to focus outward, simply bring your focus back to the inner spirit and up towards the Source, the Creator of all. And once again, begin chanting the anahu silently within yourself and allow this loving to simply lift you and all you have to do is refocus and let go of all distractions And now become aware of just divine light and sound all around you so that all you experience is a divine loving presence of God in you and through you that you and God are one in your beingness, and your conscious awareness. Allow yourself simply to experience and to receive and to give that loving as it moves in you and through you between your own soul and the source of loving, that divine creator of all. And in this movement, simply open and allow yourself to receive and to give in this divine flow of this divine presence. And in this action, allow yourself to expand and simply to be and to experience all that is present And in this place of loving, just now, I want you to open your physical eyes, maintaining your awareness in this place of loving. Just open your physical eyes. Just open your physical eyes, maintaining that place of loving. And now, once again, close your eyes and go back to this place of loving. Allowing your divine awareness in this place of loving to be present in spirit and even in your awareness in the physical level so that you know that truly God is here and now on all levels within you from the physical into the very heart of God. And just allow that experience of opening and closing your eyes, to be that channel of awareness by which you can see through the eyes of love that you can be in this place in spirit and yet look into the physical world, but not be of this world, but to be of the realms of spirit and the realms of loving. And so now, once again, allow yourself to relax to let go of the physical and once again become more present in your awareness in this place of loving and beingness. Just allow yourself to go back to this place of loving, peacefulness, serenity, and quiet beingness to relax, to rest, and to replenish So in this place of loving, once again with your eyes closed, let's begin to chant the Anahu once again, outwardly, physically, as we hold our focus inwardly in this place of loving. And let's begin. Anna ever so gently now, allow yourself from this place of loving to become present and aware on all levels, allowing yourself from this place of spirit to expand, extend your loving light back into your physical body while you remain conscious and aware in the spiritual realms Just allow the light of loving to extend from your soul back into the physical body, back into that area of the spiritual eye, that doorway from which the Spirit enters into this physical world. Allow that light of your soul, that light of loving, to now extend itself back into the physical body. And allow this light to come in from the third eye in the top of the head, slowly and gradually beginning to fill your body from your head and down through your neck into your shoulders and arms, right on out your fingertips. And as the light of loving continues to move in you and through you, allow it to extend down through the Rib cage and the torso and the abdomen, allowing your body just to be filled with this light of loving, allowing it to continue on down into your legs, through your knees, your calves, and right on through your ankles, your feet, and out your toes, allowing now this light of loving to live in you and through you. That it fills you and that it lifts you, that all that you experience is sound and light, that all you do, all that you think, all that you are is this pure light of loving in its purest truth as who you are, that you are this light, that you are this love, and that light of loving of who you are simply extends itself and experiences through this body, this mind, these emotions, that this light of love just simply experiences these levels into this world. And as you become more relaxed and comfortable in the physical body, gradually just allow yourself to become conscious and present, spiritually and physically, and just gradually opening your eyes, maybe moving your body if you need to, to become more present, yet spiritually aware. And just allow this light of loving to be and to do okay one of the reasons I wanted to have you open your eyes for a moment is to somehow begin for you to really tap into and realize that you can be in an awareness of spirit, but yet even physically looking into the world. And that's just a little technique that you can even practice from time to time so that you can begin to hold your awareness in spirit and realize that you can be multidimensional and still be spiritual and in the physical body. Because most of the time, a lot of people, when they get into a meditation practice, they think they've got to go down deep into the meditation to experience spirit, and then they come back and they're a physical being. So they think the spiritual is really that profound experience, and then the physical is ordinary. And this is one of the ways to kind of reverse that, so that you really start to live the truth of who you are in spirit, and then the physical is more of that profound experience. And the spirit's ordinary. How about that for reversing things a little bit? And that's a technique that you can actually work with from time to time um, to begin to kind of bridge that, if you will, and maybe extend yourself and to perceive differently. And i do that only once in a while, like maybe just to bring that conscious awareness. And i do it either at the end of your meditation or more in the beginning, because sometimes if you go in for an hour or two, you might want to allow yourself to really go in deeper and not to even let that distract you. Because it is an opening of the eyes in looking back into the world. And so you don't want to confuse the focus here. But I just wanted to do that in a way that so you can begin to really see and maybe experience for yourself how you might be able to do that in your own life on a daily basis. So you don't separate the spiritual and physical, but truly you live the spirit. And then it just simply extends into the physical.
1: Thank you. I want to read from *The Awakened Soul* by Gibran. He who, re- <coughs> me, he who repeats what he does not understand is no better than an ass that is loaded with books. The truly just is he who feels half guilty of your misdeeds. I abstain from the people who consider insolence, bravery, and tenderness cowardice. I abstain from those who consider chatter, wisdom, and silence ignorance." I've got one thing to share and that is we have a new CD out. It's um, actually two CDs in the case. The first CD is a spiritual meditation by myself and the other one is the Heart of God Meditation by Brian. And so they're in the back, they're available if you'd like to take one. All right. Well, I have a question for Brian. Have you ever done
0: that technique before? Mm, Kind (laughs) of. It was really the first time I did that. Let me turn my sound back on. It was really the first time I did that with a group, but I've actually done that sometimes as an open-eyed meditation too so that I can be spiritually aware while I'm in the physical body. But it's the first time I've really done that like this with the group.
1: That's interesting. Um, when, you started, when you started doing that, it reminded me of a technique I was given in spirit when I was 15 years old. And it's, it really is a technique to help you become multidimensional in your awareness so that you can have your eyes open and also be aware of what's going on in other realms, other dimensions, other levels of consciousness, and uh, have access to all of that. And so when you started doing that, it reminded me of the one I used to do when I was 15, 16, 17 years old. And it really does work because it does open you up in a multidimensional way and helps you to stay awake. And it will actually assist you in taking, uh, staying awake in your meditation as you go deeper and deeper into your meditation. And um, what I would do is I would go into my meditation and I would connect up to a certain point that i found at the third eye where the inner light dwells and i would visualize myself taking a handful of light and bringing it back down into my physical body into my hands and then i would open my eyes and i would send it to a certain part of the room i was in my my bedroom and then i would close my eyes and i would bring down i'd go up to the light again and i'd bring down another level of light put it in my hands and sent it to another part of the room until I had filled my room with the light. And it was a way of bringing that inner light of my own being, the light of my own soul, down into the physical and to enliven the physical body. But it was also a way of creating that connective cord between the consciousness of the soul and the consciousness of this level because the light would have to travel through all the realms of awareness and into the physical body, and as you would then send it out into the world, it would anchor it into the very structure of the physical being. And that's one way that I learned how to really become multidimensional so that I can have my eyes open but also look up and see other, other realms, other beings. And so I would invite you to begin doing something like what Brian did or something else that you find would help you to begin to do that it also is interesting that when you are meditating and a true concentrated meditation, meditation, you are beginning to truly awaken into the divine spirit, the soul that you are. But it's also interesting. There's a lot of people that meditate every day and, and are not really meditating. They are contemplating they are concentrating, but they aren't doing a true meditation. So let's look at that a little bit. And the reason I'm saying that is because both in Hawaii when we were there, in our question and answers with the initiates as well as with the open session, and also in some of the letters I've received since getting home, going through them, I am finding that a lot of people are discovering as they begin to do the meditative technique that we teach in initiation, that they've been meditating for years, some of them, doing what they thought was meditation and all the time they've discovered that they were really just following the mind, listening to the mind, chasing after emotions, or doing contemplation, letting themselves dwell on something within the mind and try to figure it out. And now they're discovering a whole new level of meditation beyond concentration and beyond contemplation. Concentration and contemplation are doorways into a very profound action of meditation. This is a way of training ourselves, if you will, disciplining ourselves to sit down, close our eyes, and stay focused and awake inside. And concentration is the first step of doing that, of holding your attention at a point, holding your concentration, your awareness, at a particular point in your consciousness. We ask you to hold your attention at the seat of the soul, the third eye, the spiritual heart. By holding your attention here at this window into spirit, you begin to truly move beyond all the elements of the physical nature and begin to move up and awaken into the spirit, the divine that you are and it begins by holding your concentration your attention at a particular point where spirit resides within you throughout time all the great mystics and masters have said that the kingdom of heaven is within the way to true knowing and knowledge is to know thyself first and to know thyself first is to go within So. It is in this practice that we share an initiation of closing your eyes and going within and holding your attention here at the seat of the soul. As you hold your attention here, then you begin to contemplate. You begin to hold your attention on something. Because if you don't have something to hold your attention on, believe me, your mind will give you something to hold to follow, to chase after. Or your emotions will come up and give you something to follow after and get caught up in. So we give you something in the beginning, such as Anna, Hugh, or Hugh, to hold your attention, to contemplate. Now contemplation is a great way of going into something that you're holding your attention on and experiencing the fullness of it. I first experienced it when I was a teenager. I wanted to truly know God. I wanted to understand God. And so I was doing all I could to find God, to understand God, and to experience God. And one day I opened up the Bible, which I often did. I would open up the Bible and I would look for a phrase that I wanted to hold in my contemplation. And I would take that phrase and I would say it over and over as I held my attention in concentration. I would contemplate that particular verse from the Bible until that verse came alive inside of me and I had a true experience. And that's what contemplation can do. It can take you into the the truth and the essence and the experience of what it is you're contemplating. For instance, you could hold a flower and hold your concentration on that flower and contemplate the flower by moving your attention throughout all the elements of the flower and all the angles and all the colors and all the qualities of it and eventually over time you will have an experience of you and that flower becoming one and you will know what that flower knows You will feel and see and hear and experience what that flower experiences. I've done that and I know that that's possible. But what I wanted is not to know a flower. A flower didn't give me a lot of inspiration, understanding, loving, caring, but God will. So I wanted to go into the knowing of God. So I began to go where I knew statements about God were found in the Bible. And I would open it up and I would find a verse that related to God or spiritual awareness or some action of spirit. And I would begin to hold my concentration on that and then begin to contemplate it. But I would hold it here at the seat of the soul. One time I opened the Bible And I didn't open it into any of the books of the Bible. I opened it up into one of the sections explaining something about the Bible in the back. And in there, it talked about the omnipresence, the omnipotence, and the omniscience of God. And I thought, well, that's a good place to to be. I want to be in that. So I wrote that down. And the next thing I did was I got my dictionary out. Because for me, at that time, when I was... 12 years old, 13 years old. Those were big words. I had no idea what those really did mean. So I got the dictionary out. I looked them up. I found out what they meant. And then I began to hold my concentration at the seat of the soul and contemplated. And I said, I am one with the omnipresence, the omniscience, and the omnipotence of God. And I just said that over and over and over and over and over in my meditation. Just as we ask you to chant the N.I.H.U or an initiation to chant the unspoken name of God that is shared with you in initiation. At that time, I just contemplated, I am one with the omnipresent, the omniscience and the omnipresence of God. Until finally, after 90 days, I began to go into the experience of that. But in those 90 days of stating that over and over in my contemplation, I found that that began to live in me. And not only in the time of my meditation was I repeating that, chanting that, stating that inside, but it began to live in me in the world. And I began to find myself saying that as I was doing my daily work, at school, at home, my chores. And I even found when I went with some friends one weekend and we were bowling as I was walking down the the lane, getting ready to, to let go of the ball, I heard myself inside saying, I'm one with the omnipresence, the omnipotence, and the omniscience of God. And I realized that it truly was becoming a living statement inside of me, and that that was coming alive in me. I didn't exactly understand what that was about at the time, but I felt and knew that it was important that It wasn't something I was just spending a few minutes each day in my meditation or prayer. It was something that was coming alive in me now. And then one day, everything just exploded inside of me. And I experienced the truth of that statement. I experienced the fullness of God, the omnipotence, the omniscience, and the omnipresence of God in all of creation and beyond creation in all things and in that very split second that it happened all that was ever in existence all that is in existence and all that will be was present and then it closed up and I was back in this world experiencing normal daily life but in that I was changed those qualities that are the qualities of God, loving, joy, peace, grace, compassion, mercy, understanding, wisdom, truth, all those things and more began to live in every part of my being. I began to f- be filled up with the joy and the life of God. And that's when I really began to be aware of more fully of that inner light. That inner light that dwells here that is our soul. And no matter where I went, no matter what I was doing, no matter where my focus was, I was aware of that essence of my own soul participating with me in all that I was doing. It was a little eerie at first because it almost felt as though somebody was following me around watching what I was doing and at first I thought oh my gosh whatever this is is judging me but then I realized he wasn't judging me it was just with me it was participating with me and then as I began to hold my attention more on that to see what this is that I was experiencing I realized it was me. This was the true me, that spiritual being of me, the soul of me that I was experiencing. And it was at that point in time that I became fully aware that this body is nothing. This body is just a shell, an instrument by which I experience in this creation. But this is not me. I know that. I've known that for a long time. And yet I look around in the world and so many people live in the world through this body believing that this body is them. And they have no sense of the divine of themselves, the loving, the joy, the peace that is truly their own nature. And I became aware of something. That when the soul came down into this level of creation, it brought something very precious with it. It brought down all the qualities that are the qualities of God that dwell within our own soul, that make us up. We are the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord. And each one of us carry in that divine living loving essence that is soul those qualities of joy and peace, enthusiasm, grace, compassion and mercy, forgiveness and all that is of God in us. And when we came down into this creation we came down here to have experience. We came down to take on these physical bodies so that through these physical bodies we could have a sensual nature And in that sensual nature, we could have experience in this material, psychic world. And the soul could then learn from those experiences how to be a true creator in all realms. But what we forgot when we got down here is one thing. We are the ones who carry the divine, living, loving essence into this creation. This creation that is the creation of physical matter and psychic realms are very different from those of spirit. The spiritual realms that lie above the physical psychic worlds are the realms of love, pure love, ever-moving, ever-expressing, ever-being. And out of love comes all the other qualities that are God and that are us, each of us as our soul. And when we came down into these worlds, we came down to have experience. But we also forgot about our own true essence, our own true spiritual nature. And we forgot about the loving that we truly are. And we began to go out into the world and get caught up in the world and in that getting caught up we began to look at the world as everything. And we began to then look into the world for our love, for our joy, for our peace, for compassion, for caring, for forgiveness, for acceptance. And we began to chase out into the world trying to find it. Well, do you love me? Well, will you forgive me? Well, will you accept me? Trying to find somewhere in the world where we could find those qualities and bring them into ourselves and feel okay about who we are. And the reason we do that is because we have forgotten that we are the carriers of those for ourselves. They already live and dwell within us. But we have looked away. We have looked away from that place where that resides in us. And we have looked outside of ourselves for the truth rather than looking inside. I remember going to a a Baptist church. And it it was a pretty frightening experience the first time I went. I was seven years old. And... We sat down in in the pews, and the minister came out, and they had a song and a prayer. And and he said, which one of you are lost? And I went, lost? I had no idea where he was going. I thought, I'm not lost. I know where I am. I mean, I, I can get home from here. And he said, all of you are lost. You're condemned to hell unless you believe in Jesus." And he began to go on and on about this. And the more he talked, the more I could feel myself cutting away from the truth of the loving inside of myself that I didn't know here at the Seat of the Soul. I could feel myself being drawn down and out into the world and getting caught up in his words and getting caught up in a belief system and getting caught up in a web of matter and psychic worldly material. And he then went on and talked about sin, sinner, the sinful way. And he must have said sin a hundred times in the short time that he talked. Well, my parents and I never really went to church. I was a curious one, so I would go to church with the different neighbors around me. One was Catholic, one was Baptist, one was Jewish, and so on. So I would invite myself to different services. And this was my first time to a Baptist church. And I have to admit, I think this was the first time that the word sin really kind of got stuck in my words inside. And I wanted to find out what it was. So I went and I got my dictionary. And I opened it up. And I still have that, the older dictionary at home. And in it, now in the newer dictionaries, it doesn't give this definition. But in the old one at home that I had as a child, it does. And it said, sin means to turn away from. And I went, oh, well, of course. I did that when he was talking. I turned away from my loving. I turned away from my own truth. I turned away from here and I began to look out there. And I began to realize that I gave my power away to him. And as I sat there, I thought, gosh, I've got to go back to that church and reclaim myself. And inside I heard something say, no, close your eyes and you are reclaimed. And so as I closed my eyes, I remembered a word that the minister had also said. And he said, you must repent, you must repent, or else you will go to hell. And as I closed my eyes, I heard the word repent. I opened my eyes right away, I looked up the word in the dictionary, and it means to turn toward. And here, right then, Spirit has said, no, close your eyes and return back, come back inside. Repent, turn toward. So for me, looking out into the world, looking away from my own true source, the divine soul and myself, is sin. It's turning away from. It's turning away from my source. It's turning away from my truth is turning away from my light, is turning away from God that dwells within me. And to repent is simply to close my eyes and go inside to turn toward, to turn toward God, toward the inner light, toward my soul that dwells inside me. And so for me, meditation begins with concentration. It goes into contemplation, and then it goes beyond contemplation. Because contemplation is holding your attention on a phrase, a word, a thought, a belief, to go into that, to draw the experience, the truth, out of it, and have it fill your own being. But beyond that is true meditation. And meditation is more than concentration, and it's more than contemplation. It is experience of loving, of peace, of quiet, of the true essence of who you are. And it's found beyond the contemplative techniques. Now, there's different kinds of meditation. If you look in the world today, there's passive meditation, there's active meditation, and there's different meditations holding the focus on different parts of your consciousness and your body. Each one will take you into an experience. Each one will give you an opportunity to experience something of yourself or of creation. But you have to decide what it is you're going after, what it is you want to experience in your meditation. I wanted to experience God. I wanted to know God. I wanted to be one in God, with God, in all that I do. And so I always hold my focus and held my focus on God and in loving God and in opening to receive God's love. I have found that to be the way by which I live in that river of love where I'm ever living in the moment, living in the divine presence, living in the living loving essence of the Lord that dwells within me. And I thought at first that that's what everybody was doing as I began to go out into the world and hear teachers talk about meditation. I thought that's what everybody was doing, I thought that's what everybody was talking about when they meditated. And then I found that there were different kinds of meditations, different yoga techniques, different breathing techniques, different places in the body that you hold your focus called chakras. And I realized that a lot of people were doing different meditations, having different experiences And at first I thought, well, maybe I haven't experienced everything. Maybe I want to go and try these other things and see what they're about. And so I went to a couple of different groups and began to listen and see what they were about and what they practiced and how their meditations went. And I found that Where they were going was very profound and very meaningful, but it wasn't where I wanted to go. I didn't want to go into the chakra of the solar plexus or the chakra of the heart or any of the other chakras below the brow center because I knew that the divine essence dwelled here. And I knew that if I held my attention here, that all that I needed to know, all that I needed to experience would be present in me and for me and through me or that I would go to it. And as I began to practice these other techniques to see what they were like, I found that in a sense I was sinning. I was turning away from. I was turning away from my source and going to a different source. I was looking to another source for experience. And I did find that each one of the chakras were like doorways. And they will take you into experiences in the different realms of life. But the chakras from the eyes down, having to do with the throat, the heart, and so on, all lead into the realms of the physical, psychic, material world. And they do not lead you into the higher realms of spirit. It is only from the brow chakra up that you begin to move into the higher regions of spirit. So as I went to these different groups for a while, I found that everyone was focusing pretty much down below the spiritual realms that I knew of. Now they would talk about these different experiences and many of them had very profound, very meaningful experiences. Some people would go into these centers and channel and, and the statements were very profound, very meaningful to many people, but for me they were hollow, they were empty, because they didn't carry the full essence of God in them. I had found that here at the seat of the soul, where my soul resides, is all that I'm looking for. Right here Is love and joy and peace. Right here is the grace, the compassion, and the mercy. Right here is gratitude and abundance. Right here is the inner light that is the light of God that dwells within. And that's what I want in my life. That's what I always wanted in my life. And I did not want to look down below that to try to have an experience in something other than in God. I didn't make them wrong. I just realized that that's not where I wanted to hold my attention. And so as I watched and I listened to all of this, I learned something very profound. That each of us are here to learn certain lessons and to have certain experiences as our soul has come into the physical body to have experience. And each of us are walking a particular path and that path is laid out before us called our destiny. And that destiny has been laid out by us, by the actions of other lifetimes, by reactions in other lifetimes, and by actions and reactions in this lifetime. And we are going to walk that line of destiny that we have laid out for ourselves. And each one of us has laid out a pathway that we are to walk and in that walking have experience and in that experience have learning and growth. And if we are wise and paying attention, we will begin to see the truth And we'll begin to make choices that will ever bring us closer to the truth, living the truth, following the truth, walking the truth, experiencing the truth. And letting go of all the illusions that might have distracted us or caused us to believe something that took us away from the truth, either in this lifetime or in other lifetimes. And so as I looked, I realized, well, Each group was perfect and the people in each group were perfect. They were perfect. They were where they needed to be in this moment to have the experiences that they were having for their growth, for their learning, so that they could begin to glean the truth for themselves. And so I began to go back to church. (coughs) I had stopped for a while because of a couple of experiences I had had with ministers. Some of you might laugh because you know that story, but I'm not going to go into that one right now. So I decided to go back. And I saw the same thing there. I saw in each congregation, people were right where they needed to be. It was all just perfect. Because they were hearing what they needed to hear. They were learning what they needed to learn. They were experiencing what they needed to experience they were getting the guidelines to live their life by, that would begin to take them into a greater knowing and understanding of themselves. And so I realized that each one of us, wherever we are in our life, that's just the perfect place for us to be. And prior to that, I don't think I really believed that that much. But in that time of experience, I began to realize that wherever we are, be grateful for where we are. Be grateful for what we're experiencing. And move in that experience to learn and to grow so that you can possibly either move beyond it or change it, transform it by what you learn. And I did that myself. I looked back on my life and I realized that as I went to these different churches and heard these different teachings, I gleaned information. And then I looked to see how to put that information to use in my life. I didn't just take it and say, oh, okay, I'm a sinner and now I've got to repent. I looked up the words. I wanted to know, well, what do they really mean by sinner? And what do they really mean by repent? And I look up words. I don't always use words in the clearest way, the most correct way. But I do look up words to make sure I understand by which I'm living. Because a lot of people live words that have been given to them. Truths that have been given to them. And they begin to live them according to... by what they've either been told as the definition of that word or by their own misunderstanding of that word. And they begin to live it, but they misuse it, they get abused by it, and it doesn't work for them. So I have found that it's very important for me to always understand what it is I'm doing. Why am I doing it? What is the meaning of this word, this action? so that I'm very clear in it. And by doing that, and experiencing these different congregations, these different groups, and realizing everything is just perfect and where we are is just perfect, I realized that I had gone through a progression of growth in my own life through my family that didn't go to church and the reasons why they didn't go to church to experiencing the synagogue, the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, the Church of Christ, the Pentecostal, the Catholic, and so on. And I realized that every place I had been was a movement in my progression, a movement in my experience. And I gleaned from all those experiences and kept moving on. And I was grateful that I paid attention and I kept moving on. And then I looked and I realized that a lot of people come into a lifetime and they live the lifetime from beginning to end pretty much in the same pattern. They're born into a family, a tradition. They're given that tradition to live and they live that tradition all their life and they die in that tradition and others come into life and they're given tradition, they're given belief systems, they're given a way of life and they live it for a while. And then as they begin to grow up, maybe at 20, maybe at 40, maybe at 70, but as they begin to grow up, if you will, they begin to realize, wait a minute, that's not what I really believe. That's not what I really want. That's not who I am. And they have to begin to then make their own choices, their own decisions, and to begin to transform themselves into who they are. And they begin to move through life and change gradually over a period of time. And that life then is one of continual growth, of movement forward, Not just the movement forward on the timeline, but movement forward in consciousness, where the consciousness is ever awakening into the greater knowing of self. And so I looked and I realized that where I was and where I am today is perfect. It's perfect. And whatever I'm experiencing in my life today, it is perfect. And I move into full acceptance of whatever it is. I can remember when the doctor came in to my hospital room after having a biopsy and the doctor told me that I had cancer, (coughs) I went into a place inside myself not of shock, not of disturbance, but of acceptance. There was a part of me that went right into a place of, okay, And he looked at me and he didn't know what to do with that because he's used to people in reaction, upset, scared, mad. And there was a part of me that already knew I had cancer inside. And so when he told me and confirmed it, it was like, okay, thank you. Maybe not quite in that term of voice, but pretty much a neutral quality to it. And the doctor sat there trying to help me understand that I had cancer. Well, I knew that. But he was waiting for me to react and what he ended up doing was reacting. He started crying. And he cried and he cried and he cried. And I realized in that moment as he was crying, he wasn't necessarily crying for me. He wasn't crying because I had cancer. He was crying for all those patients that he had had to go in and tell them that they had cancer and had to be the strong one. He had to hold up for them and not go into reaction and not let down. And for the first time he was with somebody who wasn't in reaction but was being the strong one, if you will, in that moment. And all of a sudden he let down and he cried and he cried. And after he finished, he apologized and said, no, no, don't apologize. I appreciate that you were able to do that with me here. Thank you. And he says, I've never done this before. You know, I hope this isn't the beginning of something new. (laughs) And he left. And I was kind of hoping maybe this is the beginning of something new. I hope it is. So he left, and as he left, he was still very teary-eyed and wiping his eyes off. And the nurse came running in and said, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I said, well, but the doctor, I mean, he's crying. What, what happened? And so she sat down, and I shared with him a little bit about what happened, and she was just like amazed. So I do know that everything is perfect, and if we can begin to live in that, that whatever comes in the moment, it isn't a total shock. It doesn't take us away from that place of steadiness, of stillness, of loving, of quiet, but rather we can continue to move into acceptance in the next moment, acceptance in the next moment, and live in that acceptance. When I had polio when I was a kid, my mother used to get mad at me because I wouldn't wear the brace, I would just drag my leg and arm around with me wherever I went. (laughs) And she would get mad because I was supposed to wear my brace, it was supposed to strengthen me and support me and help me, but I didn't like to wear it, And, and so I would just do that. And that's where I began to learn this power of oneself, of accepting what is and then making the best of it and moving forward. is the process by which the soul can live in the fullness of itself in the body, have experience here, glean the information, and go on into the next experience of growth. Where a lot of people, they have an experience, and they judge the experience, and they get angry with the experience, and they try to push the experience away, and they get stuck. And no longer are they living in the movement of life, they are stuck in a moment of life and they hold to that stuckness. They're angry with their sister, they're angry with their husband, they're angry with themselves, they're angry at the world, and they stay angry. And in that they do not move forward in their own experience because that anger acts as an anchor and holds them stagnant, holds them still, holds them in a place of the past. But if we can stay in the moment and ever be present in the moment with the divine qualities of ourself, we can be accepting, we can be forgiving, we can be loving, we can be serving, we can be sharing, we can be all these things that are that which is God in us. And life then becomes full. And we live in that fullness. And we live to the completion of our own destiny. And that destiny is transformed as we live in that divine, living, loving essence of the Lord that we are. Our destinies, look hard and cold and cruel and mean, and we look up to God and go, God, why me? Why is this in my life? Why did I have these parents? Why do I have this mate? And what the hell do I have these kids for? <laughs> well, not all of you say that, but I have heard that from many people. <laughs> But it is our destiny. We created it. And we are living our own creation. If we want change in that creation, it's up to us to change our creation. Otherwise, we're just going to live the line of destiny out to its end. I can remember very well learning this just recently, once again. Now, when I say that, I'm ever learning lessons. And I find that I'm ever learning the same lesson over and over and over. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) But I've already done this one, Lord. i have got to move on. No, you haven't learned it yet. There's more to learn. And that's the truth. There's always another level of learning in a lesson. But I didn't like that at first. I used to get mad at God. Not again. I don't want to do this again. But now I understand it better. It's just another level, another movement of awareness into the learning. So, recently, just a few years ago, my brother and I got into a little bit of a tension, a little bit of a rub. And it was all my doing, though I thought it was his fault. It was really all my making. My brother had become very obese. Very unhealthy. He had a lot of of physical illnesses, a lot of problems. And the more it got complicated, the more I was angry and upset with him that he wasn't doing something about it. He wasn't doing something. He wasn't taking charge. He wasn't taking responsibility for it. And then I got a very clear lesson presented to me about this line of destiny. He was walking his own creation, his line of destiny. And this was a part of his creation. This physical condition and all the elements that went along with it were a part of his own creation from another lifetime that he had brought forward. It hadn't manifested and he hadn't learned the lesson yet. So here it came on him in this lifetime and he was living it. And here I am standing outside the line of destiny going, well, but don't you understand? You're supposed to. All the time thinking that somehow I could impart to him a truth, a wisdom, a supposed to, a change, whatever. Not ever witnessing as he walked this line of destiny of his own life anything happening other than me getting more angry with him because he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. And then one day, it came very clear. Jim, let him live his karmas out to the full. Let him live his destiny. This is his creation, this is his lesson, this is his learning, let him do it his way. Stop expecting anything other than that from him. And so I did. And the next day I began to approach him and talk to him in a totally different tone of voice. And I began to find myself coming back up here once again when I was with him. And oh my God, what a difference. And I realized something. When I would go over to his house or when I would go out to eat with him or I would be with him driving around, I wasn't living up here. And I didn't even know it when I was with him, that I wasn't living in the divine essence. I was living from my solar plexus. And I was trying to willfully impose myself on him, push myself on him, force my will on him through the solar plexus. And then I was wondering why I got upset stomach every time I ate with him. (laughs) But it made sense. As soon as I had this knowing of being with him in this place, it was like night and day. And I went, oh my God, I can't believe all that time. And I wasn't aware. that this was where my learning was. And so as I began to be with him on the phone and in person from that place of loving, from that place of the divine within me, our relationship began to change and grow and blossom into something very profound, very loving, very meaningful that it had never been before. We had had friendship, but this was much, much more. And it was okay for me to just watch him walk his line of destiny, live his karmas out to the end. And I could move into total acceptance of him as he was in the moment. And I could accept myself as I was in the moment. And I did that acceptance from this place. The first law of spirit is acceptance. Accept all things just as they are now. And forgive yourself if you do not accept it. Forgive them if you cannot accept them and move into loving with them. So, as I did this with my brother, what I found is this. Loving between us began to grow very profoundly, very quickly. And then one day, months out, he called me and he said, Jim, I've just got to tell you, I love you so much and I am so grateful for you in my life. And what's happened over these last few months has been so meaningful for me. And I've learned so much that it's really beginning to change me. And he said, you know, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to die a happy man. Well, two days later he died. But he died a happy man. <laughs> I know it because I heard it in his voice and he meant it. So I know that he died a happy man. Now he may not have been happy in the very moment before his death because of whatever that was that he went through with his heart attack. But I know at the moment of death he died a happy man. And so I witnessed something very profound and he was a great teacher for me to let everyone live their own life let them live their own experience let them learn their own lessons and if they come to you and say well what would you do share from your loving share from the spirit of the divine in you don't share from your willfulness from your ego from your force from your demand from your belief systems in the world Share from your loving. And move into acceptance of who they are and just allow them to be who they are. And then say, and you know, if if I was in this situation, I might approach it like this just to see what might happen. And see how they take that. Or however you want to share. And you'll find that your life is a lot easier. And their life is much more free to be lived out in its own way. And you might even see them begin to change and transform. I've witnessed it now many times in my life, prior to that time with my brother and all that, and after. So, what is the message of this little talk? Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of them. Mind your own business. That's it. (laughs) Mind your own business. (laughs) Another one would be to realize that what you might be looking for in the world isn't in the world. It's in you. You brought it in the world to be discovered. You brought it into the world to be fulfilled. The soul is the creative expression of God. God created the soul. And as the soul came into creation, it came forward as a creative expression. And it is up to each of us to learn how to be creative with all the qualities that is God in us. To be creative lovingly and joyfully, peacefully, gracefully, abundantly to be created.